I'm Keith, and this is my dad, Kerwin. Our guest today is David Espinoza, visual effects artist at Industrial Light and Magic. His credits include Avengers Endgame, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, The Mandalorian, WandaVision, The Eternals, and most recently, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Prior to ILM, Mr. David worked at several visual effects houses on feature films as well as having some experience in video game development from his time as a, as a character, and then full environment artist at Obsidian Entertainment, like the Minecraft law. His interest in comic books began when he was 14, working at a comic book store. He grew up surrounded by comic books, video games, and movies, and turned those interests into a career. David enjoys working on his own film, game, and story projects in his spare time, as well as conversing with other nerds like us. Mr. David, welcome to Final Sun Galaxy. Hey guys, hey Keith, hey Kerwin, thanks for having me. Wow, uh, when you read it off like that, it sounds so much more grander than I'm like, wow, that's me. <laughs> oh, uh, little old me, okay. Um, <laughs> no, thank you, I really appreciate that. Um, thanks for having me. No, absolutely. We are so excited to hear about your journey. So we want to start from the beginning. Uh, you, you, you caught my attention when you said that you worked at a comic book shop. Um, when you were a teenager, what were some of your favorite comics and did you follow any uh, writers or artists that you enjoyed reading? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I, I think probably to pull it back a little further, I think the, the so after school, when I was in junior high, there was a, a really big comic book store here in Southern California where I used to um, when I was younger and I would just go there every day after school quickly and I would buy actually Star Wars cards or I would just sit there and read books the, the 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 people that worked there were very very cool with me so they're just like you know and then one day I, I just kept showing up so much and the manager's like why don't you go to your school and see if you can get a work permit and we'll, we'll have you sweep the floors or clean the the cabinets and I'm like okay so I, I talked to my parents my parents were like as long as your grades stay good you can keep the job so I did it and yeah I, I literally worked there from when I was 14, all the way through, I was 21 in college, so it's a good seven years, and I, I just, I, I can't think of a better environment for a creative young person to grow up in, because it's just, you're surrounded by so many comics, and images, and artworks, and stories, and uh, it, movies, and toys, and figures, and it's just like, it's perfect, it was, it was, it was the awesome, it was the awesome little uh, nurturing bed to kind of grow that creativity comic books i gravitated to were so this is interesting when i was younger i was really into the x-men but it wasn't like it was today where we have trade paperbacks i always tried to get into the x-men stories but it would be like i'd, I'd buy you know i didn't know any better I, I i would just buy an issue and be like uncanny x-men issue 134 executioner saga part five of something and i would have no clue what i'm reading and that i think that's what was the tough part was for me growing up the, e the easier comics for me to really kind of gravitate into were more like the star wars books um oh i love the dark horse star wars comics i i could talk about those all day um a lot of when it came to marvel i think what really started getting me was when they started to go into the ultimate series because for me that was like oh i kind of know the stories but here's a fresh reboot and a new introduction. And it's really cool because that that's kind of the vehicle that got me into the older stories. And also talking with a lot of my friends and the customers at the time, they would they would tell me everything. So it's um yeah, I sorry, I, I feel like I could just talk about comics and movies and stuff all day. Yeah. 
No, we don't have a problem with that. Now, is that shop <laughs> still around? Uh, so the big store here, it's it was actually a um a comic book store franchise called Mile High Comics, and at the time during the late '90s, early 2000s, they were the biggest comic book just I think store or franchise in the in the U.S. They have their big store is still around in Colorado, but um the store I worked at was like the the Anaheim store that was near Disneyland, and you would get all kinds of tours from all over the world, which is great because now you're meeting other nerds just like you from all over the world and they're all there for one reason the con you're you're all there for the comics and the stories and it was just super fun but i unfortunately that location isn't around anymore that's a shame no. uh what were the films that inspired you to become a visual effects artist Ooh. oh i Keith, i like that question that's a great question um I, my first impulse is to say, and I, I honestly, one of my first memories that I have is watching The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I think my dad had rented it on VHS. I was small. I was probably four years old, maybe. And I just remember him yelling, hey, David, come here, come here. You have to come see this. And you know, as a little kid, I don't know what's going on. I run into the living room and it was just as the Millennium Falcon is flying in the asteroid field. And the tie fighters are getting smashed and i'm and i'm like i'm a little kid i didn't i still wasn't i wasn't really clear what was fantasy and what was real i i was like oh my gosh so this is real like i'm not going to drive a car when i grow up i'm going to drive the millennium falcon like that is awesome um star wars and yeah and just you know my my father is a big was <laughs> so lucky you're the like, keith i'm sure Kevin, you do the same like my my dad is a huge huge entertainment buff and he introduced me to so many movies at such a young age and encouraged it um one of the big ones for me besides star wars was the movie aliens by james cameron yeah. i was blown away as a kid watching that movie it was this is also back in the day when not every movie was guaranteed to have a sequel and when you found out a movie was having a sequel kind of was a big deal you're like wow like a part two of this movie that i like and i when aliens came I, I i was so hyped up over it i believe um for my science project in the fifth grade i actually wrote my own little bootleg version of aliens as a movie script and the teacher let me she brought her camcorder in and allowed me to basically make a play based off the movie aliens for my classmates uh where i made the costumes out of paper um i made an alien egg out of styrofoam and she filmed it and she, you know, it was just, it was kind of these little things growing up that really like um, kind of inspired. But I would definitely say like, it's, it's all the classic sci-fi movies, classic fantasy movies, um, but definitely Star Wars. That's, that's, it's hard to, to deny that, to deny that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I can ask a question, sure. were you aware of who, we're going to talk more about ILM later, but were you aware yes. of who they were? when you were watching these films you know like what was your earliest memory of knowing that the film that you were watching the visual effects were done by industrial light and magic so the earliest the earliest memory that i that i even became aware of was when i was a kid uh there was a video store that we would go to when those were still a thing and there was a vhs tape that was there the making of return of the jedi and i remember the making of like it, it, making that connection like oh, you have to make a movie like anything else. 
And so I begged my dad after, you know, like, oh, can I please, can I please Friday on the weekend? Can I rent it? Rented it, went home. And I think eventually I talked my dad into talking to the video store to see if we could buy it. And I think because I'd rented it so much, they ended up like five bucks or something. But yeah, seeing the map, like the map paintings and seeing the constructions of the vehicles and um, it just all everything that went into it. In fact, uh, I have a very, 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 to this day, a very strong affinity with uh, actually doing model kits, like traditional paint model kits. And a lot of that started um, just from watching the masters at work and seeing them. And just the worlds and stuff that they were able to create. And, you know, I think making that connection, like, I could do that too, like, eventually. It, it, I mean, it's 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 very far away, but it's, it's like, I was starting to connect the dots a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when I grew up uh, watching these films, you know, I'm old enough to see all, uh, all three films in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. pretty much during the first <laughs> run yeah but, but after that beyond star trek you know you know you, uh, beyond star wars you also had star trek yeah. right star trek to the wrath of khan was a big oh, film yeah. back then that came out in 82 and then you had et in 83 and then you know there were more films after that it was back to the future oh yeah 1982 yes right they both came out the same year so star oh. trek 2 and uh in 82, ET in 82, then in Star Trek 3 in 84, and then Back to the Future. So what I found, what I was doing is when I, you know, when I see a film that I know had visual effects and I enjoyed the visual effects, what I would do is wait until the end credits to see the name uh, produced at Industrial Light and Magic, you know? So as I, I made it a point, you know, whenever I was watching a film and yeah. I'm not sure who was responsible for the visual effects is just wait uh, for the end credits to the movie theater to see the name Industrial Light and Magic. It was just such a big thing to me because nobody else was doing that kind of visual effects back in the day like they were. No way. No way. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I just I just remember so many happy movies growing or happy memories growing up in the movie theater. And you're right. When those credits would come up, you're just so I mean, I, I still remember being a kid and still trying to what did I just, I think I just saw a dinosaur on the big screen. Nobody had seen anything like Jurassic Park when it first came out. Like people were literally gasping in their seats because I always thought it was a beautiful thing in that movie when you see Dr. Grant take off his glasses for the first time and he's stunned. And then you don't know what he's looking at that first time. And then the camera reviews the Brachiosaur and you literally, as the audience, are having the same exact reaction that Dr. Grant is having. And you can't you can't recreate moments like that. And it's just they're so special to me. And more often than not, it was always industrial light and magic that were doing those effects. Exactly. Exactly. It was groundbreaking. And the 90s, it just took it a step forward, you know, with Terminator 2 and <gasps> Jurassic Park, like you said. I mean, we could just sit here and name all these. <laughs> all, yeah. Just, it, it, it stays with you. You know, you, you know, even yes. if you've just seen it once, you just remember the uh, the, 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 the advancement in the technology. And it, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. And you're right yeah. that, you know, Jurassic Park were was ILM at his peak, you know? So that was just something that we've never seen before, but you know, it's, it's a wonderful experience to go to sure. movies now, even now. Even uh, now, yeah. Because they're still, they're, they're, they're busier than ever, 
and just know that, okay, well, I'll, I'll wait for the credits just so I can see the name Industrial Light and Magic. It's, yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I love it. I, it's, it's awesome too, just to kind of, I don't know, just, uh, I, I could talk about it all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. <laughs> right on. No, that's fine. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So you actually graduated from the Art Institute of Orange County. What I was did. Your first job after graduation. So my first job after graduation, uh, I actually, uh, so it, it's an, it's another kind of interesting story. I are, I actually already was lucky enough to have a job already lined up, uh, while before I graduated. Um, while I was, uh, while I was still working in school, um. Uh, it was a three-year program, uh, full 3D, full art, full everything. It was it was really intense, and um, they did have a program where they started. They would help the seniors to try to find internships to you know try to get into studios. And I remember being first year asking like, "Hey, I want to, can you can can I start get started with that?" And at the time, and I understand as well. Like, no, you know, it's something they they want to focus with the seniors for the students who are getting ready to graduate. Um, but when I get to that time, they would help me. So I kind of was like, oh, okay, guess I got to do it on my own. So I went on on my own and I, I was looking at studios and I was just sending out demo reels and I, I was just sending out my work, putting myself out there and I must've did it to over 30 studios and nobody got back to me, not a single one. And I just kind of wrote it off like, okay, you know, I, I got to put, put in, put in some more work and kind of, you know, really refine myself a little more maybe. So some time went on another year, and then uh, out of nowhere, I got an email from uh, Obsidian Entertainment. They were at the time they were a new uh, game studio in Southern California that had been founded by the original creators and developers of Fallout, which at the time I didn't know anything about Fallout. I I, I knew it was a PC game, but I didn't know anything about it. So I went there and uh, they interviewed me. They're really cool people, but the game they were working on at the time was Knights of the Old Republic 2, Star Wars. And I was, what, 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 what are you guys working on? Like, yeah, we're working on Star Wars. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, like I was very young at the time. So I was super, I mean, just oh, like, like a lightning bolt that zapped me in the head. Uh, so I was able to actually, um, I, I was able to get an internship working for them. But at the same time, I was also still, I was still in school, but I was also still working at the comic book store at the time. Um, so it started to come to a point where, you know, I needed to figure out like, hey, you know, you're going to school for this. This is what you really want to do. You're going to have to just go all in. So I, I had to, unfortunately, it was very, very, very hard to leave the comic book store. Um, but I joined up with Obsidian Entertainment as a junior artist and um, on Knights of the Old Republic 2, which is great because I had just finished playing Knights of the Old Republic, the first one, because the game had just come out back then. And it was great. It's like, oh, model ancient astromech droids and paint uh, aliens and maps and planets. And it was it was great. <laughs> So did you apply for a position to work at IOM or did they come to you and say, hey, we want you to work for us. You do some good work. Interesting question. Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I So at the time, the thing, the thing with ILM, I, maybe I have to kind of. So when I was working at the comic book store, 
uh, at least for me, I had learned that there's 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 uh, there's two two types of people that like to go in there mainly, and and specifically, you kind of have like your first type, which is like you know your your casual fan go in there. They kind of have their their selects they read. It could be, it could be anything sci-fi, you know. That's cool, and that's that's I mean that's kind of what I see myself as at you know. And then there's the other type where these pe the the different people from different every everywhere they they just have really cool jobs and they would just we had one customer that would come in every week and spend he would get a a big box of a big long white box of comics and he would get like five of each and we had to ask him like are you selling this do you have a store he's like no i just i really love comic books and um i started to meet more people like that and it turned out these people usually had really cool jobs and so they would go and they were the type that they wanted this stuff growing up as kids but you know maybe it just wasn't accessible to them but now that they have their awesome amazing job they're like i'm gonna go back and buy that stuff and it's those people i ended up talking to the most because it was just like these fascinating jobs and sure enough some of them actually worked at um ilm at the time but i never i never connected like I'll, I'll never work there like there's no how would i ever do art for a living how, no one would ever pay me to be an artist and I, i'm being genuine like i i really I couldn't think it was so far removed because I, I didn't know anybody who did that for a living. Um, my, my parents certainly didn't. And none of my, none of my friends or friends, families had done anything. It was all, you know, nothing art related. And up until that point, I didn't really think it was um, a career path. I, I, I actually, yeah, I had never considered it, but I did have these customers who eventually would come in and they were, became friends and even mentors to me. And they would tell me, Hey, learn this program, do this, read this, kind of, you know, build me up a little bit. And then, um, yeah, eventually it, it was just like, you know, I, I still had never thought that that was a thing. But throughout the time of working at studios, you, you get connections, you make friends with people. And the number one rule I like to tell people is just just, just be a good person, uh, be a good team member, be, you know, just people will always want to work with you if you have that a great attitude towards uh you know any problems or situations that come creatively it's like you just always got to be a team player and uh i guess at the time uh i had no idea but uh there was another lucasfilm location that was in the country of singapore so they had they had opened there was there's the lucasfilm san francisco headquarters uh there was the um and then after that they had opened the singapore studio to do the clone wars animation so that was the that was the main uh um, purpose of opening that studio i think lucas arts was also there as well they they worked on a little bit of the force unleashed i want to say uh well at the time they they wanted to build up more of the apartment so i had actually just gotten an email uh, they were already talking to a friend of mine a good friend of mine uh, about a supervisor position but it turned out they were also looking for someone to come train up a, a team of a, a, a generalist environment team at the time. And it was very early, very early um, on. So they just emailed if I had any interest. And I was shocked. I'm like, I'm reading an email from Lucasfilm asking if I would consider working for them. And I, I'm just like, I, I, don't, I don't believe this is happening. This is crazy. And this was right around the time. Uh, I also have to emphasize this is right around the time when uh, George Lucas had uh, sold to Disney. And so I had never, you know, and then suddenly they're coming out swinging 
we're making new Star Wars movies. We're making and and suddenly that dream came right back on the table. Like I never I. Sorry, I'm I'm jumping all over the. If I'm jumping around, you guys just stop me. It's just, it's, just, it's it's so many memories with this stuff. But I remember watching episode three in the theater, and as the credits were rolling up, I remember like almost wanting to cry because I was realizing this is the last time I'm ever going to see a Star Wars movie opening night, and it was just it was a very emotional kind of thing, and I I just kind of wrote it off, and then when Disney. And I, that dream was just like right there. So I was like, I will, I will do anything, I whatever I need to do, to 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 even get a, a remote little chance to be a part of Star Wars, I'll do it. And that opportunity came up, uh, but it was in the country of Singapore. I had never been to Singapore. Uh, I, I'm ashamed to say, I barely knew where it was on the map at the time. I know I'm very familiar with it now, but uh, I I went over and I started to work for Lucasfilm in Singapore. And I was actually living and working overseas for eight years for Lucasfilm. So I was before, yeah, I've, I, I actually just recently moved back last year and now I'm uh, in the San Francisco office, the uh, studio, but uh, yeah, they emailed me and I, I basically, eventually I, I went in initially as a trainer and then there was a uh, I wanted to work on these shows. I'm like, whatever I got to do, uh, I, I'll do it. And so I eventually transitioned into artist over there. And now I'm here in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So what was the moment when you thought you really arrived? Was it when you received that email from, from ILM and Lucasfilm? You know, it's funny is I, 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 it's, this might sound weird, but I, I still don't feel like I've arrived. I feel like there's so much work to still do, but I think if I had to pinpoint, I think it's when all the interviews were done. There was, I want to say they had me on eight interviews. It was like, and the thing is I was interviewing for the Singapore studios. So I had to talk with their time zone. So there was always like their nine o'clock Thursday was my 6 p.m. Wednesday. It was, a, it was a very weird jump. And it would be like one interview. There's one person. Then there was three person people. Then there was five people. And I think after the eighth interview, they sent me an email and it was official letterhead Lucasfilm and said, we'd like to offer you the position of, and I think, I think I went into my room and I locked myself in there for four hours and I just was like numb in shock. Like, what am I? Oh my gosh. Like it's all. So yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> and so you worked in Singapore and you've also worked in San Francisco. Is there any yeah. difference between how the animation and visual effects are done between the two territories? You know what? Uh, surprisingly, uh, I, I, there's, um, Every, I mean, every country has their their, their different um, specifics that you have to follow. But I think because industrial light and magic is it it has a its pipeline is it's set up in a way where it's it's almost global. Where we all kind of doesn't matter what location where you're working, we all kind of have the same uh, pipeline and structure and are all constantly working with each other. So um, it's 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 pretty similar. So if you had to work with a, say a, a team in London. Um, odds are they would probably be working on with, with similar pipelines and um, workflows that, you know, someone in Vancouver, Canada may be working with or Sydney, Australia or San Francisco. Um, but it, it, it's pretty it, it's, it's a it's a it's been worked out over the years to the point where, you know, we're, they're constantly adding to it. But uh, it's it's pretty straightforward to just jump in more or less. 
Well, it's a great time for you, I'm sure, to be at ILM because you're going to be busy for so many years ahead. Uh, you they, know, are busy. With, they are busy. With, with films and with, with Star Wars and Marvel and Disney+. Plus. Um, do you get to choose what projects you work on or are they assigned to you? A little bit of both. Um, I do have to say they're they're very they're very amazing in the sense of uh, when you know they do ask, hey, if you have a preference, you know they they will listen. But a lot of it will come down to um, you know, hey, you're really good at simming smoke and blowing things up. We we really need you to work on this show over here, you know. So it it, it all depends on the casting and the crewing. Um, but uh, they do. They do um, allow you to kind of voice your opinion in the sense of, hey, I, I, I want to work on a Transformers movie or something. And they, they do pay attention to that. And do you usually work on, is it one project at a time or have you been uh, given multiple projects to work on at the same time? Uh, the majority, I believe they try, at least from my experience, I've, I've been kind of uh, isolated to a single show at a time. There's been some times where I've had to kind of double dip and that's mainly just been for crewing reasons or... Uh, hey, can you get something started real quick so you can hand it to this team, get them started? But I'm still working on other stuff as well. Um, it's it's pretty common to wear multiple hats at multiple times, but for the most part, luckily, knock on wood, uh, just one project at a time. All right. Well, uh, we were looking at your resume and we saw that there were uh, quite a few films that you have worked on. So what I wanted to do, what we wanted to do was just throw out a, uh, names of some of the um, sure. Shows and, and the films. rapid fire, the lightning, the lightning. Well, it, it doesn't have to be rapid. Fire. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, we don't want to. Rush. And the next contestant, the Price is Right. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you can, you know, we'll give you a name of a, a project, you can just let us know uh, how do you contributed to the project. Avengers sure thing. Endgame. Avengers Endgame. All right. So uh, that one, I was tasked with recreating the destroyed New York environment from the first film. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys remember that there's a lot of time traveling in that film. So yeah. there was specifically the sequence where they went back to New York uh, to get one of the infinity stones. And uh, it, it's interesting because it, they, in the first movie, you see a lot of, you know, there's that, there's that big famous shot where they're on the overpass and it's swooping around and they're all, you know, standing up triumphantly with their shields and stuff. So one of the shots I had was, yeah, we want that shot, but we want it in a different angle because time traveling Captain America is actually in the alley over there and we have to show that. So it's, it, it, was, it was so weird to try to like pick up a scene from a movie that was created, you know, because at this point, I mean, I think the first Avengers was more than six years old, probably. Mm -hmm. um, so we had to go get your mindset back into a movie from six years ago dig through and figure, you know, what which pieces you need and then figure out what new pieces you need. So for this one, it was a lot of stuff with like, uh, I, I think one of the, the awesome things in that movie was that in the original Avengers, I, from what I remember, there's a scene where, um, you know, Hulk smashing and doing his thing, but you kind of don't follow him around. And in Endgame, we do see what he was doing that time. And I was, I was in charge of doing, uh, like basically rebuilding the street, smashing taxis, breaking glass, smashing overpasses. Basically destroying New York. I, I, it's that that poor city gets destroyed so many times in so many movies. Yeah, the it's, other Avengers are just like pew 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 pew. Yeah, oh, it's like, like stay out of stay out of there. <laughs> but that's that's what I contributed uh, for Avengers Endgame. 
Solo. Solo. Okay, that was a fun one. Uh, so if you remember in that movie, after Han Solo gets kicked out of the, uh, well, I think it's actually a deleted scene. He gets kicked out of the academy, so they kind of punish him and make him a ground trooper, and he's on the the Mimbian battle where yeah, they're dropping in the that. big walkers, and guys are just getting exploded. And uh, my team and I, or the, the team in the, that I was a part with, we we worked on that uh sequence, which was amazing because it's like it it goes by so quick, and there's so much happening, but. Um, there was a team that was specifically coordinating the laser shots. There was a team coordinating the walkers dropping. We were adding in the destruction of the battle. Uh, I think there was also a shot, if you remember, there was the they hijacked the the uh, the walker hauler, the AT hauler, and it. I think there's a sequence where it crashes on the uh, I forget the name of the snow planet, uh, but they were very specific. The supervisor of how it crashed and how the the wreckage was going to be and how the engine needed to like have oil spilling off the edges and so i i, I got to uh break off and kind of focus on those shots specifically mm-hmm. the mandalorian chapter nine the marshal that's a good episode that was a fun one so uh i was in charge mainly of that one of recreating all of moss pelgo so Moss Pelgo, if you remember, is the the scene where you find the marshal um, that's having the problem with a certain dragon. Yes, and <laughs> great. Um, yes. So they built a set. They did build a set uh, in Los Angeles, uh, but it's very small and it needs to look like it's on Tatooine. So I was in charge of taking all the the on set data, getting it scanned in, building, fleshing it out, and just uh, making that feel like a a believable city. And it was awesome because. I got to design little uh, buildings in the distance, and like there was a there was a band, the uh, the big furry things that the you know the big furry creatures. Uh, they had a pet band. I think they called him Jeff. It was, Jeff was the name of our supervisor at the time, and he had a little bit of red hair. And they put a bantha with a little bit of red hair, and it, it's the bantha that gets eaten by the carved dragon. Oh. But we got we we got to make a little. I got to make a little house. Oh, I just thought it'd be fun. I'm like, you know yeah. what? Let's make Jeff a little house before. You know, he becomes a snack for this dragon. So it was just little fun things like that. It was really cool. He became a um, snack. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But that that was fun. That was really fun. Um, there was also a little, a couple little one-off shots for the. I think it's the in the tenth episode in the opening. Uh, he's walking into Moss Eisley, and it's at night, and um, they're just like, David, uh, we need you to recreate the entrance to the Moss Eisley Cantina. I uh, yes. Yes, I will totally do that. And so that was fun. Got to create a the 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 iconic opening. Uh, it's at night, so it's it's you know it's 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 quick. But I the the junk that's right outside of the uh, the cantina. I got to do crowds, spaceships in the sky. I, you know, little little things like you know people cooking food in the stoves or whatever food they're cooking in Tatooine. You know, um, yeah, that was a fun one. That was a fun one. Mm-hmm. WandaVision episode six, all new Halloween spectacular. Spooktacular. Spooktacular. All right. That w- actually, that was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, and not because I worked on it, but I, I that one was a very quick one. I think that one was, uh, it was a lot of the recreation of the, I think it's the town of Westfield. Um, I, I don't remember where they had filmed at the time, but they did, a, they, it was supposed to be a town, if you guys remember, a town that changes through the time periods. Yes. So you're actually seeing this town in like the you know the 60s, the 70s, 80s, modern day, 
so the town had to reflect that and um i believe in that episode um we were i was replacing the mall the big westfield mall and having to kind of add uh basically just set dress that 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 courtyard city area um i think there was a very specific water tower they had uh during uh that time period so we had to replace that replace some of the cars uh there was a whole building that didn't exist that they wanted to put in there so it was more of like the traditional put things in there that didn't exist before set dressing and now for the spoiler alert we're gonna oh boy some spoilers for black panther wakanda forever yeah. so if you haven't seen it yet you can just like fast forward <laughs> right yeah it's, it's, don't click yeah. off just yes. fast forward yeah of course you know at the recording the movie's already out, so spoilers are where we are open us. spoilers. But before we ask that question about Black Panther, David, um, the, the the tools that you use to create your visual effects is it all done on computer? No, uh, I would say nowadays, yes. Nowadays, okay. yes. Um, sometimes uh, on some on some projects, uh, it, it's very hit or miss, and it depends on the filmmakers. Some filmmakers really love CG. Some filmmakers like to have the whole thing there and maybe you're just adding a little knob of cg or something so it really just depends on the project but for the most part it is all done uh on the computer and i think a lot of that is just because of the um it's it's just so the tools are just so they've they're starting to refine to a point where it, it's just, what you need to do you can do it quickly as opposed to um, having to traditionally build, scan, wait for the weather to show up and whatnot, uh, you know, the lighting conditions and everything, but all 3D. They they are doing a lot more traditional stuff now, especially with shows like The Mandalorian and other shows um, that use a lot of the, the volume that they're using to film uh, Mando. They will build a lot of these awesome practical sets and like uh, ships and structures and... Um, you know, there, there's still an element of practical, and it's nice to see filmmakers seeing that and kind of going back to the roots of that. But uh, yeah, all CG though; it's it's all on the computer. Right. Okay. All right. So, getting back to Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Um, now, I don't know, but I, I'm I'm going to ask this question. But when you signed on to the project, do you have the um, the creative team, Ryan Coogler and his producers, have a meeting with the visual effects team? and give you their expectations, you know, what they're looking for in the film. Does it work that way? Do you hear from the, uh, the, 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 the producers of the film to let, you know, to tell you what they're looking for, what their expectations are? Uh, yeah, actually they're very, especially Marvel. They're very, um, they, they know what they want. They, they have a vision. That's the one thing I do respect about Marvel is that, I mean, I respect them, but, uh, they they and when it comes to working for them as our client um they they know what they want they marvel has a history and a pedigree of stories that i mean i i can only say maybe dc rivals um but you know it, it's it's just it's they they definitely know what they want and what would usually happen is um just cuz there's so there's, it's it's like a small army that that t to make a movie and you obviously can't have everyone there all the time. So what they'll usually do is they'll they'll keep it to the core uh, leadership of the team. So like our supervisors, art directors, maybe lead producers, you know, people that basically that that are that will distill it to everybody else. Um, but they'll they'll sit and talk, and they they will hash it out. Um, 
one of the cool things actually is before we even got started on this, they have a Wakanda, they call it, we called it the Wakanda Bible. And what it was, it was a, a PDF document that um, I, I forget, Hannah, I believe is the, uh, I, I forget her name. Production she design. was, yes, yes, Back she was very, yes, yes. yes. I, I never got to personally talk or meet with her, but I, I know she, she has a very big handprint on um, just a lot of the creative say of Wakanda as a whole, which is great. So they, uh, I believe her team, and it might have been from the first movie, to be honest, because I, I, I it wasn't a part of the first movie, um, but coming to the second movie, I, they already had a Wakanda Bible set up, and it's literally everything you could possibly think of of the history of Wakanda. They've written it out, so the, like the, the ancient history, the founding of Vibranium, the different tribes of Wakanda, and the animals that each tribe kind of symbolizes under and the reason why I bring this up is because all of this goes into the architecture, goes into the clothing, goes into the technology, and they're very, they're very, very strict. They're you can't just put a building in there. It has to be something that feels and goes along with the um, the artistic direction and the style of that Wakanda Bible. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't go in. Um, and that's an interesting thing. I've, it's the first Marvel show I've ever worked on where they knew they knew it. It's like, hey. This is it. And if there was ever a question, like we were trying to design something in a, and you know, they, I, I kid you not, certain questions would happen where, oh, what region of the city is this? Oh, well, this, this traditionally back in Wakanda history was, you know, they, they, there was the water buffalo was very important. So like we should have some, something that kind of maybe curvature of the horns or just, you know, that's just one random example, but it's, it was, it was cool. It was very, very, um, specific so yeah they i would say in that sense i felt their presence because they may not have been in the room with me but i had a document and we all did and that was kind of like our our go-to steady guide for hey that this is what we need to follow all right uh what effects in particular did you work on for wakanda forever okay so uh i was mainly tasked with the Wakanda uh, flooding scenes. So there's a sequence in the movie where Namor and his posse come in there. Oh, spoilers? Mm -hmm. allowed to? Oh, okay, okay. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll keep it specific just on the stuff that I worked on, so not to... Um, well, that was but... in the trailer, so... There you go. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's spoilers if it's in the trailer. That is very true. Actually, that's a very good point. Um, a lot of times, if it's in the trailer, you can talk about it. So yes. that's a very good point. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, Wakanda was uh, flooding and uh, essentially uh, they wanted it to take place in a section from the first movie that I think was like a very, they, it was a section called the Step Town. And it's called Step Town because it's a section of Wakanda where it was actually built off an area that was part of this terraced land. Not, not quite like rice paddies, but it, the land was terraced because there's a lot of cliffs there. So they call this area Step Town. But because of the structure of it, that also means if Namor, Namor can flood it. And so we were tasked with building and designing the, the cities, the channels. When we worked very closely with the um, effects team as well to kind of, you know, they had very specific, like, we want this street flooded, but not this street flooded. We'd like this, you know. And they're also being cognizant every time of um, the framing of, hey, the camera, this, this shot is about the the vertebrate or the the sunbird vehicles or something 
let's frame it like here. We don't need to focus on here. But I, I was uh, with that team just destroying Wakanda. I hate to say it, but that's what we had to do. Was the were the was the water coming from a water tank or was that digital? A little bit of both. Um, there was ah. some close up. There were some close up ones with some sequences uh, where they actually did film on set with a big water tank and they were flooding the Wakanda buses and people are in there. But a lot of that stuff is all CG water made by wow. incredibly smart wizards at Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah. That is incredible. I could not, yeah. it looked to me all real. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I, I, they are very specific about it too. They have, they, they're, uh, you know, I'm in those meetings as well when we're, when we're showing the reviews to our supervisor and they're constantly going over reference of different types of water, like the opaqueness of the water, the specularity of the water, how it rolls. And when you see all of them, all of that work go into the final shot and it's like, I'm watching real water like this is pretty amazing so incredible yeah because yeah. software is everything especially when you're when you're making such good videos and stuff or in this case movies because let me tell you a quick story All right so back in 2021 when our channel was first started in july we had a really important interview with mark daniel an executive oh. at disney so I had to edit the entire thing in iMovie, but because iMovie took the video and since there were a lot of graphics in it, made it like 10 times bigger as a file than it should be, and it took up gigabytes of space, we kept repeatedly trying to upload it out of iMovie, and it kept telling us, you know, you don't have enough space, you don't have enough space, uh-uh-uh, yeah. say the magic word. Uh -uh. Card <laughs> yes, very good, Keith. And then finally, <laughs> yeah. we managed yeah. to get it out. And one of my friends at school told me about using CapCut. And oh. here we are. CapCut is so much better. That is so cool. I, I first of all, I, I just have to say, Keith, that that is awesome. I I wish when I was your age, the tech was where it was at right now, because I I I didn't have access to even recording my own footage until maybe when I was in college when like Campa by the I've I, Man, I, I love it. I love it. I love hearing young people talk about like just yeah, that, that that's awesome, Keith. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, did you have something else? No. Okay. Um, just wanna uh we're gonna be wrapping it up very shortly, but there is <laughs> <laughs> no worries. You shared a photo with us with you standing next to a gentleman named George Lucas. So I'm just curious, you know. Uh, of course, everyone was... knows who George Lucas is. I, I think so. Maybe at this point, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know who George Lucas is, so please, please, please watch Star Wars. Yeah. Please fix that. Yes, right. there you go. So, can you tell us uh, about that photo? How it came to be? Where you were? And you know, how did you meet Mr. Lucas? Wow, uh, that is a very, very, very special photo for me. Um, so I, I was. Like I mentioned, I, I had originally joined Lucasfilm, but was working in the Singapore studio, which at the time uh, they were getting ready to transfer to a new building called the Sandcrawler, which literally looked like a glass sandcrawler. I, I was I'm like, does that make me a Jawa? When I go to work? But anyways, but <laughs> um, so it, to commemorate it, the the country of Singapore actually had their prime minister and their um, their leaders of their so 
just to kind of wrap it a little bit, um, Singapore is was is is still very invested in trying to like bring create creative studios and those those types of uh, um, you know projects and stuff uh, to the country just to get more exposure and also with the region. There's a lot of creativity, a lot of awesome, amazing stories coming out of that region. So Lucasfilm wanted to tap into that. So they opened the new building and to commemorate that Kathleen Kennedy and George Lucas, uh, along with high government officials of the Singapore, uh, uh, the government of Singapore came over to the Sandcrawler with, I may add, a full contingent of the 501st Stormtroopers, which was amazing. Um, yeah, they, they, they came over and uh, I got to do a little presentation with them just to kind of tell us what our department does. But then there was a little lunch, a little small lunch with him afterwards, and I, I was nervous. I, I couldn't, I, I, I don't get, how do I say this? It's like I, I don't get starstruck in the sense of, I'm used to working in studios and like a director comes by or an, you might even see an actor and, you know, you got to be cool. You got to be professional. And I, that's kind of the way I like to run it. I saw George Lucas and I was like shaking. I literally was shaking because I'm, I'm standing in the room. I've never been in a room with someone who has been so influential in my life in terms of just starting a spark of creativity and just creating what he's done. Like, there's not many people alive that can say they've done what he's done. And in terms of contrib contributing to pop culture and science fiction and just great storytelling. So I I'm nervous. I'm shaking. And I my friend is talking with him. And I finally kind of get the guts to go up and just even say hi. And so I introduce, hi, Mr. Lucas, my name's David. Um, you know, I was, with, you know, we were doing the president. You know, and he very super humble, cool man. He's like, oh, hey, David. Yeah, I, I like that. That was that was good. Yeah. And then I, I, I just had to like, because his wife, his wife is very protective of him. George's wife is very, she does not like people going up to him, which is great. I can imagine. I can only imagine. George is very sweet humble soft-spoken his wife protects him so i noticed that she was off in the corner talking casually i'm, I'm not talking with george so i just hey, george would you mind if i get a picture real quick george looked back do you want to you want a picture okay like, just like that i'm like oh my gosh so I'm, I'm going to stand behind him like you see me in the picture but i'm shaking so bad i'm doing a drum roll on his back and i know he feels it so i i, I take my hand back as soon as they snapped the camera, his wife went and went straight over to Beeline. I'm like, cool, thank you, Mr. Lucas. And I, I just went away. And I, I think I and I think I, I went upstairs to we were on that where our artist studio was at. And I, I just went on the floor and I just fainted. Like I just did that. Oh my gosh. And everyone's like, What's wrong, David? I'm like, and I kid you not, I've never had this happen before or since. That that there's that cliche of like, oh, it was like a like a you can see people's mouths moving, but you can't hear what they're saying. I had that happen. I'm, I'm just like, everything was in slow motion. People were talking to me, but I couldn't hear anything. I was just like, I just met George Lucas. Like, oh, that was so, and he was so cool. He was just so cool. I got to meet him a second time. And, you know, I was way cooler that time. But uh, the first time was, I, I, yeah, to this day, I, I it's, yeah, that, that photo holds a special memory for me. You know, I, of course, I don't know the numbers, but you are an elite group of persons who can can say 
you know, can show prove that you took a picture with George Lucas. And I think that's incredible. Let's hope um, we get to be one of those. People. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I was I was about to say, I mean, it would be an honor to be. Uh, it would be an it, honor to be Mr. George Lucas. For it to happen, yeah. Yes, for it to happen to us. Would, uh, if we ever do that, you're good. Don't, yeah, don't that. count it out, though. I mean, he, he's a... Water to me, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, he, he's he... like a carpet, too, because I'm just going to, like, hit the ground. Okay. <laughs> I I hear sto- I hear stories. I mean, every, well, you know, when when he sold to 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 Disney, you know, he he went to take a step back and with his own personal life. So I I got to meet him right on the the cusp of before that happened. But um, yeah, he I've I, I, I it still blows my mind to have someone who's on and just be so humble, yeah. so humble. It's it's it just takes me back, like. I, I need to be like that. <laughs> I hope to stay humble. That, that is truly an incredible story. And your work is incredible. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Such an honor to just have some time to speak with you. But I don't know if you're able to tell us if there's any projects that you're currently working on or anything personal or professional. Is there anything that you can tell us about what, what's up and coming? Uh, well, let's see. I professionally at work, they haven't announced it yet. The project it'll probably be sometime next year, so I can't really talk too much about that. Um, but <laughs> I'm I'm always, <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to, but I definitely can't. But uh, I I always keep myself busy. Um, I'm actually working on a couple of video games, my own personal video games at the moment, uh, using Unreal. Um, I do film projects, uh, finishing up a couple of those right now. Um, but honestly. I think uh, oh, writing a book, a science fiction book, actually. Uh, it's it's all rough. It's all rough at the moment. But I I, I got to stay creative. I have to stay creative. It's it's sure. it's it's an interesting thing when your your passions and your career are literally hand in hand. Like mm-hmm. one cannot live without the other. And it's been a it's been a lesson for me to kind of get the balance right with that and make sure that you know one it just doesn't take over. But it's so hard when I would just be home anyways, doing this anyways. So it's, it's, it's awesome. Is there a way where people can uh, view your work? Uh, Yeah, actually I do have a website. It's a little out of date. Um, It's very out of date, but there's uh, it's digitalwonder.com and I'll, I'll send you the link to it afterwards. Um, but for the most part, I kind of haven't put most of my, st- it, it's, it's, it's in various forms and stages, but, uh, a digitalwonder.com is my, uh, personal website that, oh my God, I think it just turned 20 years old this year. I've had it since I was, yeah, I, I mean, to date me, I've had it since I was in college and yeah. kind of, I, 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 I owe it to myself to keep it up a little better. I, I, I don't really have too much social media, but, uh, that would probably be the best or to be honest, if, um, anyone ever has any questions or just wants to get, you know, just talk about nerdy stuff. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. That's probably the best way. I, I highly encourage anyone um, who really wants to make those connections and start to talk to LinkedIn is probably one of the best sites where you can really connect with people. Um, but uh, I, I'm, you can find me on there and uh, I'm more than happy to talk always. I just don't send me ideas for Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, every <laughs> once in a while, I'll get that random email from someone. Hey, I have an idea for a Star Wars movie. Can you read it? And not allowed i'm not allowed to do and i i'm not even in charge of that stuff so yeah don't yeah save it for the for george lucas when you meet him 
<laughs> Understood. And uh, now that you mentioned about, uh, you know, people reaching out to you, what ways are you inspiring future visual effects artists? Uh, let's see. Uh, in terms of what ways of inspired to like. Yeah. Have you thought about, okay, how you would get back? Uh, oh, oh. Up and coming. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, I, I've always made it a point to kind of um, always answer questions as best that I can um, in terms of, I, I remember when I was first starting off, I didn't really have a lot of people to really talk to or really get any guide. I mean, um, it wasn't as big of a thing. There wasn't like all the schools. There wasn't all like the exposure. Heck, there wasn't even YouTube. There wasn't anything. It was just like you kind of had to find it out on your own. Uh, I, I, I did luck out by working at the comic book store and I was just in a, an environment where people like that just gravitated. So I got to, I got exposed to that, but um, I, I always want to try to be, hopefully try to be that person that I wish I had when I was first starting off in terms of like, Hey, maybe, you know, when you're starting off, you want to, you know, maybe polish this up or, Hey, focus on this or, Oh no, this is how we do it. Or just having that, that person to talk to, to kind of get, the real insight as opposed to like me and my friends just blind leading the blind trying to figure it out. But uh, I always try to help um, in, in terms of questions or any guidance. Um, I mean, I'm still a perpetual learner as well. So I'm, I'm always constantly learning and I like to share that with people and um, projects. I collaborate on a lot of projects with a lot, actually a lot of junior people coming up as well. Um, just to kind of anything just to, it, it's just awesome I, I i feed off of creative people when they're creative i get creative and it becomes like the cyclical thing and i just love getting in that groove with people wonderful thank you david so much for being on our podcast oh, david, my es pleasure. thank you D david espinoza visual effects artist at industrial light and magic uh please uh you know look up david and find out more about him and reach out to him um but thank you again, once again, David, and thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode. Until next time, take care, and we will see you again.